Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets! Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Darren's out till Tuesday. You've got me. I'm Jim Irizarry. Don't forget the Twitch channel up and running. Okay, so... Yesterday had video but no audio. Today have audio but no... Hey, there it is. Now it's working. It literally just faded on. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, Twitch.tv slash SportsRadio960 WSBT. That is uh, where our Twitch stream lies. Hello to the Twitch stream. Uh, and of course, hello to all of you. Uh, it's Budweiser's weekday sports beat. It's brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Also by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. This holiday season, give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at feedindiana.org. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. And Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. So, uh... As far as a, uh, you know, from a sports betting perspective, I kind of blew it as far as last night's uh, Michigan State-Notre Dame game. Jeez. Michigan State came in here number 20 overall in the country. Pretty solid schedule, too. Like, their losses came against uh, Gonzaga and... uh, I forget the other one, but they were ranked two. Um... And Notre Dame never let them get going at all. Like from, what was it? About midway through the first half? That's when the, that's when the lead first got to 10, and it never got closer than that. Who is this team? <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> I can't make heads or tails of them, quite honestly. Like they, 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 they lost last Friday to to Saint Bonaventure, huh? What? Had problems against Lipscomb. Had problems against just a couple other teams on their home floor, mind you. You know, and these are teams that they should easily be just wiping the floor with them. Got a couple of, you know, more comfortable wins, I guess. 
before last night and uh, before the uh, the loss to St. Bonaventure last Friday. But, you know, you, you, you figure, you know, Michigan State's coming in here. Uh, looking like Michigan State does in uh, in the early part of the season, you know, where they where they look, uh, you know, they have that look where, uh, oh, we're going to be seeing them deep into March, you know, that sort of look. And uh, and last night just did not happen. Did not happen one bit. Notre Dame with the win, seventy to fifty two last night uh and, it, and it's not like uh you know looking at looking at some stats right now it's not like it's not like michigan state shot overly poorly you know coming into the game notre dame was giving up like 38 percent shooting from behind the arc last night michigan state you know 33.3 percent four of 12 from behind the arc you know not not Anything out of the ordinary. Field goal percentage overall, just a hair under 39% for Michigan State. That may be a little bit low. But Notre Dame is a completely different team. And this even goes back to last season, too. Uh, Notre Dame is a completely different basketball team when the shots are falling. If they're not falling, it's a long day. It's a long day. It's a long night. All of that. Like it, it's it's not good at all. Last night the shots were falling. Uh, field goal percentage fifty percent from the field. That's uh, that's pretty way above normal. Uh, three pointers forty two percent. Cormac Ryan looks like uh, Cormac Ryan looks basically like he did back in March. You know, when when they were playing against Alabama in the tournament. Cormac Cormac Ryan has has continued to be the leader on on this Notre Dame basketball team. And I I, I think uh, I think Mike Bray is just quite honestly tickled pink about that quite honestly we'll uh we'll hear his uh you know we've got his post game press conference from last night we've got that queued up and ready to go but uh Cormac Ryan 23 points last night uh 6 of 7 from behind the arc just playing like a man possessed right now JJ Starling the freshman had a good night too 14 points could be a little better from behind the arc. He was over seven from behind the arc, but still, fourteen points for the freshman. Uh, you know, a, a freshman starting at Notre Dame. Crazy, crazy thought. Dan Goodwin had twelve, but you know, it's like <laughs> you can't make heads or tails of this team. You know, at least within like the first ten minutes of the game. Man, you know, like I said, when when the shots are falling, when the shots are falling, they are they are spicy. They are spicy. Mike Bray understandably happy 
uh, in the post-game press conference last night. Let's uh, listen to what Mike had to say. Who was that team I took to Long Island? Um, well, what a what a great night uh, to have the crowd, the students, and our guys. We uh, played right. Talk about playing right. We played right on both ends of the floor for 40 minutes. I thought our defense was fabulous. And, um, you know, really kind of set the tone for us. Um, and then we made big shots. You know, we can shoot the ball. And, I, you know, it was, it, was, it was a thorough playing right kind of situation, which we've kind of been, we've been searching for. And um, so hopefully something to build on. You know, I, I got the utmost respect for this guy. Like, he's the voice. He sets the tone. He knows this is the one to get us going, especially after, you know, Long Island and escaping. And not only does he guard the their most potent guy for 40 minutes, he does that. But then in the second half, you know, he didn't really have stuff, so he just guarded. And he's... He's our voice. He's our vibe. He's our emotion. Um, he, I, I'm just—he just sets a tone for us. Yeah, you know, I mean, our guys when they, you know, when when guys have not shot it well for us or not shot it maybe as character that's the last thing i ever say to them you know or better keep shooting better keep firing and uh i thought this was a very alabama kind of tone for him like i will set the tone and make us believe we're going to win tonight and then i'll just guard the best player too for 40 minutes and coach can't take me out and i couldn't take him out i, I twice i said to the assistants we want to get him one and they were like no 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 don't take him out Yeah, but you talked about bounce back mode. This was bounce back mode for them. Was it also maybe show me mode? Yeah. Like let let me see, let me see that team that's in there. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think so. And and you're right. I mean, we're searching early in the season, and we've got you know a freshman in JJ who I thought tonight looked like a junior, you know, and played and guarded, and he we wasn't really guard. You know, there's there is a process to this thing. On all of a sudden, Trey Wirtz is our point guard, who is, you know, God love him. You know, him running our team, and and, and so you know, you're finding your identity through it. Um, but um, I did say when we pulled up Friday night, I said the four old guys will tell you young guys about bounce back mode. So let's see what we got. And you know, those four old guys have been in it a lot. Yeah, we'll be one big happy family. Um, you know, uh, we need them. And I actually think that a Cormac and a Trey will, you know, he'll give us a lift. Um, and, and uh, you know, and, and, and I, I'm hoping we have him Saturday. I think we're trending that way. There's no question about it. The other good news is the mask disappears tomorrow. The mask is gone. We, and, and, you know, Ben's been playing with that thing. I think at times it's distracted him. So Marcus is back and the mask is gone. It's a good day tomorrow. 
Um, but we, we, we need Marcus. And, and actually, Trey tonight, we stole a little bit of time for him. You know, but, uh, I mean, the, he, he could use – I'd like to get him off the ball and get his feet set because he shoots the ball. But I can't do that right now. He's got to handle it. So I'm interested to see how that evolves when Marcus comes back. Meaning, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, no. I think uh, they, they want him back, man. They, they know. I mean, you know, he was efficiency point wise through twenty five practices, he was leading us. Not Lashevsky, not Goodwin, not Ryan. He he had more e points than anybody, and um, you know he and he gives you another guy that can go and he can score and can shoot it. No, I think I, I you know my. As I watched us this summer, I said, five old guys and the two young guys. If we can keep that seven moving, I think we got a chance. And so we're getting close to getting those seven together. What kind of juice does this give you to, okay, we won a game against a right team. Now let's go win a game in the ACC. Yeah, I told him in there, I said, we're 0-0. Zero zero. We're trying to get to 1-0 and in the league. And Cormac Ryan who wears it and sells it and talks it and backs it up, said this summer, "Let's we want to win the regular season championship. And I brought that up. I said, awesome. And I reminded him, you know, you got to start with 1-0. and So, um, you know, we'll get some rest tomorrow, and then we'll run some zone offense on Friday. One last note with the ACC Big Ten Challenger Series or whatever. Where does this one break for you as far as your Well, we got out of it 5-5. Five and five. But, you know, you look at who we played, we probably, in those 10 games, you could say we played an A schedule. We played these guys three times. We played Illinois three times. We went to Maryland once. Ohio State came here. You know, we, we've played an A schedule in this, and that's awesome because it gives you chances to do this and have a quality win. Um, but I'll, I'm, I'm fine. We'll, we'll move to the SEC, and that's okay with me. Yeah, that is that is the darndest thing I've ever seen. Even even Ted, even the refs and I were laughing. Like, I mean, I don't even. I got to see the play. I've never seen that. Where the whole give new meaning to the tearaway jersey, right? And and uh, but um, that's uh, I guess that's how physical college basketball is. But Trey's just Trey just ran our team, and you know he's. I'm really happy for him, man. He has been a a believer. He was a seventh man last year and hey I need more I don't need and and he never complained even though he wanted to play more and I told him on the plane ride back from San Diego I said you know you're gonna get a bigger bite of the apple just hang in there with me and then Hub and uh, then then Hub and Wesley left and he was drooling Yeah, actually, I told him that story, Tom. And I told him that story in my office in the summer. And when he walked out, he came back. He goes, I may do that to you. I go, no, he didn't. But if he, he can, he has permission to. <laughs> He's got a lot of Ben in him. He's got a lot of Ben in him. And, uh, and, and, he, and, and like Ben, uh, you know, it comes off him. And it's contagious. And... Uh, he was texting me stuff about what we should do in practice yesterday. Coach, coach, we need to go compete drill. We need to go compete drill. I mean, I, I just, I love him. 
I love him, and it's his show, man. Just you know, tell me, tell me what you need. We'll get you there. Talk about how important, how important advantage is. How are the fans tonight? Or you know, I, I, that's you know, when you have, I always feel pressure. Yeah, you get a, when you have a great crowd and everybody comes, and our students especially, you want to deliver for them, and we did, and hopefully that keeps them coming back. Certainly starting on Saturday at noon, um, but our students were great. I know that's a little late for the South Bend crowd, but they must have got naps today. Huh? They must have got some naps today. They're going to be late for work tomorrow, I bet. Um, but but that was just a, it, it was just an awesome atmosphere. And because the game was in control, I was able to kind of look around and go, "All right, this is really cool." And you know, comes across great on national TV for our program. Parker Fredrickson and Marcus Burton were in the stands. All you know, good good stuff. And we'll flush it by 9 a.m. and be ready to work against the zone. Oh, yeah, that was Hansborough-like, um, Connaughton-like. I, I love that. When they have ownership to the point, they can check in with me and go, you I think we need to do this today. And uh, I told you we did our our uh, captain's diner up there at Prime Tables. I'm giving Prime Table a plug. But that, that's where we go. I take them up there, and, you know, four old guys, and I just listen. I mean, they've seen it all, man. And Cormac's usually talking to most, and that's okay. Seven games in the season, all five starters have led you in scoring. Yeah. One game and scored at least 20 points. What do you think that says about your team? Well, I mean, we're not playing many guys, right? I mean, you know, it's the uh, – the uh, Kevin Keats at NC State was funny this summer. He goes, you know, we never have to put a lot of paper into our scouting reports with you. It's like six or seven guys. We go through it in like ten minutes. And I go, yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> Um, we do need Marcus back to get us to seven, but I thought Ben came in and gave us great minutes. But older older guys can play, and I want them to play so they're in a rhythm and they know how to play together. And um, and plus, it just seemed like because it was a national TV game, the media timeouts were really long again. You know, I, I don't have anything to say after. So we sit there, which is good when you're not deep, and let them hydrate and let them towel off. Um, but I I think for us, we need to get those seven moving together. So hopefully we're looking more like that on Saturday. Thank you, guys. That's Mike Bray last night after uh, Notre Dame's waxing of Michigan State. 70-52, to 52, the, uh, the, the final score. Uh, he was referring to Marcus. Of course, that's Marcus Hammond uh, coming back. Uh, you know, he's back from injury. He got cleared today uh van uh, Van allen lubin getting the mask off hey it's a seven-man rotation again still drives people nuts but you know it's a seven-man rotation again it's better than six i'll say that uh so yeah there you go that's that that's that's irish basketball for you uh you know lose to saint bonaventure but uh but but Wax Michigan State. Okay. Uh, next game coming up is uh, is Saturday against Syracuse. Yet another home game. Uh, noon tip-off. Uh, of course, we'll have the, uh, the pregame starting at 1130 right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Uh, also this weekend, got Packers-Bears 
for the second time this season. Um, not really sure about the quarterback situation for either team, to be perfectly honest with you. But uh, we're going to decode everything about Packers and Bears and really everything about the Chicago Bears up to this point. Uh, Lester Wiltfong Jr. from Windy City Gridiron will join me coming up next. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Brought to you in part by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area is now open for carryouts. Barnaby's, the family inn. Also, Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. And the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Jim Rosari in for Darren through, uh, through Monday. Darren will be back Tuesday, fear not. I look forward to your hate mail every day until then. So, um, Jim on sports, by the way, dot com. That's where you can find all my all my stuff and every every avenue that is possibly imaginable in uh, in order to uh, to yell at me, basically. So, again, I look forward to it. Certainly looked forward to this uh, over the course of the day yesterday. Uh, last night, I talked with Lester Wiltfong Jr. from WindyCityGridiron.com, talking Bears-Packers and everything going on with Justin Fields and all that stuff. Here is our conversation. Yes, I pre-recorded it last night, but hey, it's the only time you could talk, so you do what you can. Here's Lester. I, I'm sure. I'm sure that a sense of panic washed over you on Sunday when you saw that Nathan Peterman might be starting <laughs> instead of even Trevor Simeon. Which I never thought I would ever say that, but you know, there we are. Uh, what uh, what what yeah. hap- what happened with you know? I, I like I know Fields was going to be out, but yeah. like Simeon hurt himself and it was going to be Peterman, and then all of a sudden it's back to Simeon. What happened there? He hurt his oblique warming up, and he actually said at the post-game press conference that he had to play because he was really embarrassed that he hurt himself, you know, during a warm-up <laughs> while he has the rest of his team around him are playing through injuries and stuff yeah. like that. So he actually went in, and from what I understand, he got a shot, uh-huh. kind of killed the pain a little bit, uh-huh. went back out there and gutted it out, and, you know, whatever the injury was, it has now kept him because he did not practice today at Hallis Hall. He was uh, listed as out. So that oblique is uh, it might be serious enough to keep him out a week. Wow. So what do they yeah. do? You know, like is 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 Fields going to play this week? Is are we are we back to Nathan Peterman and and someone signed off the practice squad? What uh, what's the plan for that? Well, uh, they actually signed Tim Boyle off of the Lions practice hey. squad today. So, t- so Tim Boyle is now on the uh, the active fifty three. Uh, Nate Peterman is still secondly on the practice squad, and Justin Fields today at practice was limited. Um, so, I, I don't know with that shoulder. Yeah, it's his non throwing shoulder. He said today his legs feel good, but you know what? If he's not a hundred percent at this point in the season with the way the Bears are trending. Let him sit out another week. Throw uh, Peterman out there. Throw Tim Boyle out there. <laughs> Just do something and let's get this season over with. The Peterman. Uh, the Peterman. Yeah. But uh, honestly, I, I 
I'm sure I'm not in the minority when I say this, but what's the point in playing Justin Fields at all the rest of this year? Well, I, I think they want to get him the reps. I think at, at the beginning of the season, I think they wanted to make sure he was going to be the guy. And I think yeah. at some point he proved to them that, you know, he's going to be the guy. You know, of course, they went out and made the big trade for Chase Claypool, um, who, you know, he hasn't really found his footing yet. But the fact that they dumped the second-round draft pick, which looks to be a pretty good draft choice now because the Bears are pretty bad, that shows you that they're all in on field. So mm-hmm. they believe in fields. They want to get him some work. I mean, we, we saw him during that stretch there. He was really electric. Um, he was put, the Bears put a, a whole bunch of points on the board. Yeah. They had one of the best offenses in the game for yeah. about a, a five-week stretch there, which is really weird. So, But now the next <laughs> evolution is, you know, they, they, they want to see him do some stuff in the pocket. They want to see him pass the ball a little bit. So getting him some reps down the stretch would be key, but, you know, not until he's ready. Okay. You say that it was really weird having having such a potent offense. It's like you know, you got to remember. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember too. The Bears aren't used to that. Bears fans aren't used like nobody Never. around the team is used to that style of offense that you saw for those five weeks. Thirty points a game. It's yeah. like what is going on here? And then the defense, of course, decides to you know be historically awful at the worst time. But yeah. you know, such is life for a rebuilding franchise. Yeah, I mean, and it's not necessarily all on the defense. I mean, when when you trade your two best defensive players, yeah. that doesn't help. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that, that's obviously an issue. They also have some injuries they're yeah. battling. You know, they just lost Eddie Jackson. Yeah. They were missing both Brisker and uh, and and Gordon last week with concussions. So then today they put uh, a reserve safety on IR. So. Jeez. There's some there's some issues there with the uh, with the defense. Jeez. <laughs> like I knew about Eddie Jackson. They're saying uh, they're saying a, a Liz Frank injury, right? Yeah, Liz Frank injury. They're still not sure about surgery yet. Um, actually, we have one a, a, a doctor does a show with us, and he says that even if he does have surgery, the way this rehab is, he should be good to go by training camp. Okay. But if it's something that does not require surgery, he's thinking you know maybe five six weeks. Okay, but still, he's out for the year. As Bears already said he's he's out for the year. Right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't throw him back out there, especially no, especially no. with the way the defense has been getting torched of late. Uh, you don't need to put yeah. Eddie Jackson into that situation. Come on now, um, it oh, suck. Yeah. It does suck though because he was actually having a pretty solid season. He was. He was the NFC's leading vote getter at in the Pro Bowl for for fan vote for free safety. So he was. Uh, he had the numbers. Plus, he had a bit of the notoriety coming back to him this season yeah just you you wouldn't think it either with the way that the defense has played either but uh wow. <laughs> there, there there's eddie jackson he was doing his thing until uh until getting the liz frank injury so yeah well happens of course uh on the offensive side of the ball uh you're kind of getting back to fields you've got his number one guy darnell mooney now on injured reserve you know getting surgery and uh he's done for the year yeah. What uh, what's uh, what's the timeline for Darnell? Uh, our guy tells us that you know again it's it's uh, the the way the, the the ankle the foot area there again it's he should be fine good to go it obviously hurts him he was hoping for a big season to kind of prove to this regime that he's you know worthy of of a big contract but you know, I think the Bears still like what they have in Mooney I think they understand who he is as a player and once the team's built up around him, he'll be fine again he, he should be fine by training camp. It might linger a little bit, but mm-hmm. 
he, he's always been a guy that's attacked the offseason. So I can't see him slacking in his rehab. He'll be good to go. All right. I mean, that's that's a positive at least. But, uh, you know, it, 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 I hate to circle back to this, but, you know, if his, if his number one guy isn't there and you don't know what the hell you're getting with Clay, um, unless you're just trying to, in, you know, get more out of Claypool than, than what you have been getting, than what even yeah. the Steelers got out of him, you know, is that the only reason why you would play Fields the rest of the season? I I, th- I think uh, I mean with Claypool, you talk about him. He got dinged up a little bit in the last game, and he missed practice today too. So, you know, it's, it's just a weird situation. I mean, the Bears want to do some stuff on offense. They want to you know keep you know building on what they did with Justin Fields, but you know that. The, the the talent around him, like you mentioned, you know, Mooney's gone. You know, with Claypool, he's hurt. You know, Byron Pringle finally, finally did something for this team. The old line has had problems all year. So, I mean, it's it's. I see both sides of the argument. Sit him down, but Justin Fields is a competitor, and he will never let the team just shut him right down. I mean, he he wants to play. He wanted to play last week. So, mm-hmm. I think at some point he'll get in there. The Bears have the Packers, of course, Sunday, yeah. and then they have their bye, and then after that, they may let him go out there, but. But man, after that, it's it's the Bills and the Eagles back to back, which is you know two of the best teams in the league. So right. it's, it's, a, it's a it's a tough stretch for the Bears. Maybe they push a little bit and go uh, Lions Vikings to close the season out. Maybe a little better for Fields to come back. But mm. one way or the other, Fields he will be back this year. Okay, all right. Lester Wolfong from Windy City Gridiron joining me on uh, on weekday sports beat. I'm Jim Arizari in for Darren Pritchett. You mentioned it. It's Packers week. Packers. <laughs> the disdain in your voice for for Green yeah, Bay. Oh, terrible. man. man! Like, we're not on a video chat or anything like that, but I could see it. Um, yeah. Uh, it is Packers. They're down. The Bears are still down. They're rebuilding. Um, what the hell is happening with the Packers? <laughs> <laughs> like what the what the hell has happened to that team? Well, I think I mean they were expecting to compete this year. I mean they went yeah. all in as far as what they did with Aaron Rodgers coming back, and I think there's just some drama surrounding the Rodgers thing, and maybe just you know I I guess it can permeate through an organization. I mean they made some draft picks at, at receiver finally this year. It took Christian Watson a long time to finally you know really really find his footing. Mm-hmm. He looks he looks like a pretty good player now, but. Might be too little, too late because the Packers are four and seven, I believe, and yeah, I mean they're still mathematically alive, but that seems going nowhere. So, and then of course their defense has some issues there as well. Um, so it's just they they, they kind of overplayed their hand with what they did. You know, they probably should have let Rodgers go a year earlier and just went ahead and went, went with Jordan Love, but you know they're trying to hold on as long as it can, and you know Aaron Rodgers, of course, still wants to play. Yeah, uh, Love didn't look bad in relief against Philadelphia. Uh, yeah, actually, like kind of looked better than Rogers actually last week uh, <laughs> in Philadelphia. To be perfectly honest, but um, yeah, you know, like how how do they move on from that contract? You know, from the way that they worked that contract last year, how do, how do the Packers move on from that? Yeah, that that's a big issue. Everything I understand is it's. It's it's not a contract they can really move as far as if it, if he retires or they cut him, it's going to be a ton of dead money there. Right. You know, if they do try and trade him, you know, now you have to try and get the other team to take down a lot of the money because you know you're going to be hit with a big a big half hit. So, 
I don't know. It's just a very weird situation they're in, especially if they do think that Rodgers is, is done. Yeah. And I mean, you know, broken thumb, can't grip the ball. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like, you know, like at best, he's throwing a bunch of ducks everywhere. Uh, is the sun setting on Aaron Rodgers? You know, like you said, you're not on a video chat, but if you were, I have my fingers crossed. I hope he's done. <laughs> You know, I just, uh, as, as long as he's healthy and playing, I just, you know, the Packers always have a chance. Yeah. It hasn't worked out this year. Of course, he's talked about the injuries. But, you know, maybe that's just convenient that his skills are eroding because he's, what, 38 years old maybe? So yeah. maybe his skills are eroding, so the thumb is his excuse to kind of get out of it. But regardless, he's playing this week against the Bears. He's going to stick it to Chicago one last time on the way out because Chicago's defense can't stop Mike White, so they're not going to stop Aaron Rodgers. So <laughs> it, it, it's going to be a rough one on Sunday. Uh, for the Packers, they've got the Bears remaining this week and then uh, hosting the Rams at Lambeau. They head down to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Uh, they've got the Vikings at home and then uh, have the Lions at home as well. Um, yeah, that Dolphins game, that, that, that doesn't look good. The Vikings game certainly doesn't look good either. I mean... You know, this is, uh, you know, his, his last playoff run was last year, apparently. You know, if, if this is it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough uh, close out of schedule. The Rams aren't, aren't that good, obviously. But, you know, mentioned a couple other teams. The Dolphins look really good in the AFC. Uh, the Vikings at that point, you know, they still could be playing for something. I think mm-hmm. they're uh, one game behind the Eagles. So they could be having a chance at that the top seed in the NFC. So, you know, I mean, if, if they breast their guys, if that's to the point that they're in, Maybe, but, man, I, I can't see them beating the, the Vikes either. Uh, Packers, Eagles, Bills, all in a row. All at Soldier Field, too, which is uh, yeah. kind of crazy. Then in Detroit for the Lions and then back home for the Vikings to wrap up the season. Um, how did the Bears get four out of five of their last <laughs> four of their last five games at home? <laughs> that's, that's definitely a weird scheduling quirk. It's a, better than last year when they when they alternated every single week. Remember last year was home away, home away, home away the whole yeah. season. Yeah. So it's a little better this year, but you know, plus getting that late, you know, week fourteen bye. That's another strange thing there. Yeah. So it's, it's just a, one of those weird uh, NFL scheduling quirks that you know each year there's some team that just kind of gets hit with something strange. Yeah. There, there's a bunch of weird little scheduling quirks this year too, like. It happened in baseball. It happened in football, too, this year. The schedules are just completely out of whack. Like, Washington is playing the Giants two of the next three weeks. Yeah. What? Like, that shouldn't happen. You know, like, like all the Giants' divisional games, except for one, the the early one against Dallas, you know, are are in this last, like, you know, five, six-week stretch here. It's, It's just so weird. Well, they always try and have teams finish with someone in your division. Yeah. But the fact that they have that going and that should help them mm-hmm. then schedule that team somewhere else, you know, right. in, in the first half, if possible. Just, yeah, it's, it's just a weird situation. That's the NFL. Honestly, the NFL doesn't care because we're going to watch the product no matter what they do, yeah. no matter what's thrown out there, no matter if it's the, if it's the, the, the Washington Commanders, you know, two out of three weeks, we're still going to watch whatever's on our TV. <laughs> Washington. That's a rough yeah. one. That's, oh God, that, that franchise. And yet they've won six of seven. That's a, that that's what's shocking to me. 
the most about Washington. They've won six of their last seven. Like, how good of a job that's, is Ron uh, Rivera doing? You know, that that's it. I was going to say I, that's uh, Coach Chico. I mean, he he's doing his job there. He's always been a good coach. He yeah. seems to to get teams turned around, and you know, the fact that they finally made the the change of quarterback helps as well. I mean, he with 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 uh, Taylor Heineke, he's not the the most talented quarterback, but. Sometimes you get on a run, and if, if your teammates believe in you, you know things can happen, and that's yeah. that's what they're doing now. Yeah, that defense is actually pretty solid too. That's been a that solid a defense. Team, yeah. So uh, any defense really with Chase Young in it, no matter how healthy he is, I, I think is is going to be a pretty damn good defense, quite honestly. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, seven and five, and still somehow in last. Huh, who knew? Um, yeah. It's a tough division, you know. It, it, it really is. Real tough this season. Yeah. It, like, nobody was expecting Everybody was expecting it to be, you know, AFC West was, was going to be, you know, that division where the, the last place team was still above 500 and still chasing a playoff berth. And, uh, nope, it was the NFC East who, you know, has gotten teams barely in the playoffs. <laughs> just <laughs> Barely in the playoffs. Just basically in the playoffs by virtue of winning the division. Like the last like two or three years, so this is crazy. Um, Lester, what you got up at uh, WindyCityGridiron dot com? I got a lot of the roster breakdown stuff. Uh, Greg Gabriel used to be a scout for the Bears. He writes for us now. He had an article up there that went up today. Um, Ten thoughts in the NFL. I got my stack watch film breakdown. So there's always something going on at the site. Very good, very good. Of course, uh, all the Packers week. Uh, literature that you can handle as far as uh, the Chicago yeah. the Chicago Bears go. So um coming up. Yeah, right? You ready for winter? You ready for Christmas? Uh you know I, I usually am a last minute kind of guy as far as my Christmas shopping, but I got some of it done already. I don't know if I was just uh feeling it when I was out of the store, but you know I just got some of it done. I'm 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 not nowhere near the end yet, but Right. But uh I got a good head head start for for a change. Okay. All right. I I have no idea what I'm doing this year, none whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this is this is gonna be a mess. Um, well, anyway, that's me. <laughs> but uh, Lester Wilfong, a whole hell of a lot more organized than I am, uh, which really shouldn't <laughs> be a surprise. Uh, many thanks as always, and uh, continued success and uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You have a good one. That is Lester Wiltfong Jr., WindyCityGridiron.com, everything that you need uh, for your Chicago Bears fix. Uh, forthcoming, a little preview uh, as far as tomorrow's show, and also Monday's show, I guess, too. Uh, coming up in uh, just a little bit, also, uh, we'll, we'll play sports or police blotter. We'll try to figure out, you know, is it a sports story or is it just a police blotter story? We'll play that coming up. It's all part of Budweiser's weekday sports beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Restaurant of the week, great way to support local restaurants in our community. Tomorrow morning, 8:30, you can buy a $50 gift card for only 25 bucks to the Howard Park Public House, 602 East Jefferson. In South Bend, right next to the Howard Park Ice Rink. Pretty easy to find. Uh, They've got the best burgers in town. They've got food that's organic, local, and fresh. Cocktails, beer, wine at their handcrafted bar. 
make a reservation for their manager's table and your party going to be served by their manager and chef. The guys at your beck and call. Tomorrow morning, 8.30, restaurantoftheweek.com, half-off gift cards to the Howard Park Public House. Very good stuff at at the Howard Park Public House. Coming up tomorrow afternoon, 5 o'clock, of course, Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Going to have Len Clark from Irish Illustrated, the Dr. Len Clark from Irish Illustrated, by the way. Uh, he'll be uh, he'll be with us in the uh, in the five o'clock hour. The voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, also going to be joining us in the six o'clock hour. So that should be a uh, a pretty darn good way to wrap up your Friday. Really, it is for me anyway. A uh, a sports update coming up in just a few. Also, a sports story or police blotter story. You'll figure it out. Number two, Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Brought to you by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt Don't Shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. Also by South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. And Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, this holiday season, protect your family for those unexpected life moments. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Some uh, some late breaking news: Michigan running back Blake Corum undergoing surgery on his knee. Uh, he injured the left knee at the end of the first half against Illinois back on uh, November nineteenth. He took two carries in the second half before he was sidelined for the remainder of the game. Tried to play against Ohio State, but again after two carries was pulled from uh, from any action. NFL Network first to report the uh, news of Corum's surgery. Corum accounted for eighteen of Michigan's thirty five rushing touchdowns this year. Uh, yeah, that's a big loss. He ranks number eight among all FBS backs with uh, 1,463 rushing yards of the season. Uh, he had worked his way into the Heisman Trophy conversation even, but, uh, of course, with the injuries especially, uh, that has since faded. Uh, Michigan preparing, of course, for the Big Ten Championship game on Saturday against Purdue. They're going to look to Donovan Edwards to carry the load at running back. He ran for 216 yards and two touchdowns against Ohio State, so not terrible. In total, Edwards has 687 yards rushing, six rushing touchdowns to go along with 188 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. Unknown what the recovery time is going to look like for Corum, if he's going to be able to make it back for any uh, probable, let's say, probable college football playoff game. So he might play, might not play. Doesn't look good, so... Speaking of the college football playoff, they finally agreed to expand the thing, and they got it done early. The last obstacle, the last obstacle was finally cleared last night. The Rose Bowl finally took the stick out of you-know-where and allowed the college football playoff to expand in the uh, final two years of the current contract, 2024 and 2025. So we got to sit through this one, obviously. Got to sit through next year with only four teams, but then 2024, 12 
playoff teams in the college football playoff. Not bad. Uh, CFP Executive Director Bill Hancock said in a prepared statement released today, we're delighted to be moving forward when the board expanded the playoff beginning in 2026 and asked the CFP Management Committee to examine the feasibility of starting the new format earlier. The Management Committee went right to work. More teams and more access means more excitement for fans, alumni, students, and student-athletes. We appreciate the leaders of the six bowl games and the two future championship uh, championship game host cities for their cooperation. Every Everyone realized that this change is in the best interest of college football. <laughs> best interest of college football. <laughs> sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and pulled it together to make it happen. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I can't, I can't, I just can't help but laugh whenever I see in the best interest of college blank, any college sport whatsoever, especially if it's football or men's basketball. All right. I, I just can't help but laugh. It's about the money. It's all about the money. First round of the playoff in 2024 going to take place uh, the week ending Saturday, December 21st at either the home field of the higher-seeded team or at another site designated by the higher-seeded school. So 12 would take on number 5, uh, 11 versus 6, 10 versus 7, 9 versus 8. Of course, the top four teams uh, would uh, actually, I guess, what is that? Top seven teams, I guess, right? No, sorry. I'm terrible at math. Uh, top four teams would be getting the bye weeks. So specific game dates, likely late in that week, would be announced later. Uh, the four quarterfinal games for the uh, 2024 and 2025 seasons, uh, those four games and the two semifinal games will be played in bowls on a rotating basis. 2024 quarterfinals taking place in the Fiesta Bowl, Peach Bowl, Rose Bowl, and Sugar Bowl. And uh, the Cotton Bowl and Orange Bowl hosting the semifinals. The uh, the 2025 uh, semifinals going to be in the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl, while uh, the Cotton, Orange, Rose, and Sugar Bowls are in the uh, have the uh, the quarterfinal games. So, national championship is in Atlanta in 2025 and in Miami in 2026. <laughs> the best interest of college football. <clears throat> Rose Bowl almost screwed everything up too. Rose Bowl had to reach the agreement that uh, that that paved paved the way for all this, and the biggest sticking point for them, besides money, obviously, was uh, their window of two p.m. Pacific, New Year's Day, for the kickoff, or you know the observed New Year's Day. That's what they wanted. That was the thing that they wanted. Out of more than everything else, possibly even more than just the money, they still wanted to hang on to that specific window. And I get it. You know, I mean, it's it's been, you know, the the you know around here, five o'clock Eastern kickoff time on New Year's Day. It always has been. But now we get a full Rose Bowl played under the lights. 
Ooh. Maybe even a full Rose Bowl played in daylight. Got to deal with the fourth quarter shadows instead of uh, instead of stadium lights. Hmm. Could be fun, I guess. Nearly four hundred fifty million dollars at stake <laughs> in the final two years of the current contract. The uh, the path towards expanding in those two seasons, just like I said, all over the place as far as complications went. But. Uh, the Rose Bowl needed to amend its contract, as the other uh, five so-called contract bowls needed to do, in order to accommodate the new system. And that was that was the final barrier. That specific time window. They just wanted two o'clock Pacific time, New Year's Day, to always be the kickoff, and they had to give it up. They had to give it up. Why? Because money talks. Rose Bowl was essentially given an ultimatum this week to agree to terms or risk being shut out of the next TV contract, which begins in 2026. Had to give that up. Sources told ESPN that CFP officials told Rose Bowl officials this week that they'd make good faith efforts to work with them But if the Rose Bowl wanted to take part in the next version of the CFP, it needed to accept a role that didn't include significant special favors. Hmm. We couldn't have scheduled, you know, we couldn't have just let them have it and and gotten this done a whole heck of a lot sooner. Like they've been like they were trying to get this done for this year, even like before. Before the season started, they were trying to get it expanded for 2023. At least for 2023. Maybe even, you know, this year, even. Would have tried to do it. It would have been absolute chaos. It would have been so poorly run. It would have been mind-blowing. But, um, but yeah, the Rose Bowl basically pushed that out until, you know, like the... So I guess thanks, Rose Bowl, for delaying things. So. It is fun, though, because, uh, you know, like... At least, you know, this year and and then next year, too, we do have the, uh, the fun option of being able to, uh, you know, kind of play what if... For example, what if Notre Dame had beaten USC last Saturday? Could they have actually been in a 12-team playoff? They probably would have been, actually. You know, provided all the other chaos that happened last Saturday also happened. If that was the only change, all of a sudden Notre Dame's in a a 12-team playoff. So, <laughs> I still can't get over that, though. <laughs> the best interest of college football. The best interest of college football. <laughs> Although we, we're going to be able to finally uh, see some 
some non-power conferences in the uh, in the playoff. We were you know teams like Cincinnati last year going to be more commonplace. I still think you know at at most every year there there would be two, if any. At most, it would be two. More likely, it would be one. Like there'd be, there'd have to be a couple of uh, you know group of five teams that would just absolutely be just just blow everybody away. Like if you were to look at them, you know, and say, "Dang, they could beat anybody." But uh, yeah. So that was uh, that was the big news late last night. That broke really late last night. That broke towards the end of the uh, of the basketball game. Is actually uh, when I first started seeing you know the the news trickling out about this. Um, but yeah, so if uh, I, I wonder if uh, I wonder if that whole you know possibility of Notre Dame hosting one of those first round games. Like wasn't that, wasn't that, like shot down actually? Wasn't that shot down like you know in the in the initial, you know, hey we're gonna expand you know with the with the next TV with the next TV contract. Hmm. Can't remember off the top of my head quite honestly, but I think it was. Was that taken off the table? Could be interesting. I'll uh, I'll talk. You know, obviously the expansion coming up tomorrow with uh, with Dr. Len Clark from Irish Illustrated. Also on Monday, going to talk with uh, Tyler Horka from uh, from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. So uh, you know, we'll get we'll get their views on on everything as far as expansion goes. Trying and try and wade through all the uh, all the details as we get more and more time to actually look at this stuff. So, you know, kind of really dig deep into it, see what it means for Notre Dame and, and all that stuff. So, should be fun over the next uh, next couple of uh, weekdays, tomorrow and Monday. So, um, let's see. Still got to get to uh, still got to get to sports betting. Trying to salvage my week last night. Actually, came through decently anyway. Also, uh, since I've been talking about it, you know, sports story or police blotter, I'll let you decide. Budweiser's weekday sports beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Jim Arzarian for Darren. He'll be back Tuesday, so plan accordingly. Something happened. I don't know if something got in the in like the world's water supply, but something happened between seven and nine p.m. last night, where like the front page of ESPN.com turned into a absolute police blotter. That's all it was. Like it. And like 
awful stuff. And it kind of continued into into today with the uh, with the story of uh, of of uh, of Maisie Smith from Michigan. Um, yeah, like every, like everything just kind of went to hell. What happened? The uh, the more disturbing of uh, of the two, Florida redshirt freshman Jalen Kitna booked into uh, booked into jail yesterday. Now out of jail since he has uh, posted uh, what eighty thousand dollar bond, I, I believe it was. Uh, booked into jail yesterday on two counts of distribution of child exploitation material and three counts of possession of child pornography based on his use of the social app Discord according to Gainesville, Florida police. 19-year-old Kitna, he's the son of 15-year NFL quarterback John Kitna, had his court appearance today. Uh, The University Athletic Association announced that Kitna had been suspended indefinitely from uh, from, from the Florida football program. Gainesville police say they received a cyber tip from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which indicated that a Discord user distributed images of child sexual abuse material. A detective served a search warrant to Kitna at the player's residence, where Kitna admitted to sharing two images that he believed to be legal, police said in a release. Kitna said he realized that he should not have shared those two images based on the reaction from another Discord user in the chat, police said. Kitna's electronic devices were seized as part of the warrant, and police said preliminary analysis revealed three additional images of child sexual abuse material. Kitna appeared in four games this season for the Gators, including a two-place stint during the regular season finale at Florida State. Uh, After Florida's 38-6 win over South Carolina back on November 12th, Gators head coach uh, Billy Napier attributed the coach's confidence in Kitna as a reason starting quarterback Anthony Richardson had ramped up a more fierce running style. So he's getting some playing time. His life, like, not just career, okay? Not just career. His entire life over never going to be the same after this like it it doesn't matter how much lipstick you put on that pig his life is never going to be the same again as it shouldn't be i mean i can't i can't wrap my mind around what what drives certain people to collect that. There was a uh, there was an update to the story, by the way, too. Um, oh, posted, gosh, how long ago? Maybe like a half hour ago. Uh, and you know, AP, ESPN, all that stuff. You know, updating the story, and uh, like I tried reading it and. Uh, was like, nope, nope, don't, nope, don't need that. Nope, 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 nope. Apparently he held his head as, the entire time that uh, that he was in court today. Held his head and cried the whole time. 
um, <laughs> that's that's going to be the the least thing that you can do right now, man. I'm just I'm like, geez. Then you had this story, like almost around the same time that the uh, that the Kitna story broke. Mickey Joseph, who directed Nebraska for the final nine games this season as its interim football coach, was arrested Wednesday in relation to a domestic disturbance. Police were dispatched Monday uh, to a resident Monday afternoon to a residence in South Lincoln, according to a press release issued by the Lincoln Police Department. Upon concluding the investigation, Joseph was arrested at a separate location on suspicion of strangulation and third-degree domestic assault. Later booked into jail, Joseph took over Nebraska's football program on September 11th, promoted by athletic director Trev Alberts from associate head coach after the firing of Scott Frost. Joseph won three games in charge of the Huskers, including the season finale uh, this past Friday at Iowa. Returned to his role as an assistant coach with the hiring of Matt Rule as head coach. Rule met with Joseph on Monday. Joseph's status on the coaching staff after the meeting remained unknown. Given the nature of the allegations and based on the university policy, he has been placed on administrative leave, according to Trev Alberts in a statement yesterday. Joseph came to Nebraska in December 2021 from LSU, where he coached for five years. He played quarterback at Nebraska for uh, for Tom Osborne from 1988 to 1991. Um, you know, you you kind of wonder, you know, what what he with what he was arrested for, if it had any sort of connection whatsoever to the meeting that he had just had with with Matt Rule about about being on the staff next year at Nebraska, if, you know, continuing to be on the staff at Nebraska. The timing certainly, you know, lines up for that. Again, those two stories hit like like that at the same time yesterday. And it made me start thinking, you know, I I get it now. I get why why people think of think of people in sports as as being you know as being not very nice people, as you know, being bad, as being bad people. Because you get you know, especially people like Jalen Kitna. Yet people like that coming out of the woodwork, and it basically kind of ruins everything for everybody. But yeah, who you know who knows about Mickey Joseph's career? He'll probably be able to to get at least his career back in maybe like a couple of years because you know obviously nobody care nobody cares if he you know like ultimately that 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 just goes away. It shouldn't. It absolutely shouldn't. Which is why I kind of found this story to be. 
at least somewhat heartening, you know, as far as the, you know, the never forget aspect of, you know, people in sports and, and, and crimes committed and how they're able to, for the most part, unless it's just totally egregious, um, and even in some cases, OJ, um, you know, where they still get off scot-free. Um, this Sunday will be Sean Watson's welcome back to the NFL. It's his uh, first game back after the uh, after the suspension. Last time Watson took a snap was on January 3rd of 2021 while playing with the Texans. Of course, he'll be leading the Browns against his old team. Can't be a coincidence there. However, in the stands at Sunday's game in Houston, 10 of the women who accused Watson of sexual harassment and assault will be in the stands. I don't know if they're all going to be sitting together. I don't know if, you know, maybe they have some, you know, wearing some sort of shirt with a protest message against Deshaun Watson on it. I don't know. Attorney Tony Busby said the women asked to go to the game because they thought it was important to make clear that they're still here and that they matter. Good job, ladies. Like the fact the fact that that all all those lawsuits were settled doesn't mean that he didn't do anything. The fact that he wasn't charged criminally, you know, in, 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 in criminal court doesn't mean that he didn't do anything. But when you have that many lawsuits, all at the same time, really, it's it's kind of hard to get the evidence together and for everything to corroborate in order for criminal charges to be you know to be properly tried basically like it, it really is you know tax i mean just for one of those lawsuits to get everything to corroborate you know can't imagine what 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 tony busby had to do But I am a fan I am a fan of the ten women who were going to the game in Houston on Sunday. I am a steadfast fan of that. Don't let people forget. A lot of a lot of athletes, don't get me wrong, a lot of people in sport ninety nine point nine 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 six percent are fine. They're all upstanding human beings. They you know, participate in charity work, volunteer work. They give their time to causes, solid family people, things like that. All right? M- you know, like almost, almost all, except for people like Mickey Joseph and people like Jalen Kitna and people like Deshaun Watson. Don't 
Don't let people forget it. But at the same time, don't lump them in with everybody else. That's my message on that anyway. So uh, We'll talk some, uh, some sports betting coming up. I was able to finally salvage my week, so I got that going for me. <laughs> we'll get to those picks, uh, you know, recap last night, recap or uh, give the picks for tonight. All that stuff coming up. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Also by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the food bank of northern Indiana, Four Winds Casinos, Legacy Heating and Air, Midland Engineering Company, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, Pet Refuge, South Bend Orthopedics, and Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. Some sad news from baseball today. Uh, Hall of Fame pitcher Gaylord Perry, the master of the spitball, died at the age of 84 of natural causes this morning. Perry, who pitched for eight major league teams from 1962 until 1983, was a five-time All-Star who was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1991. He had a career record of 314 and 255. Finished with 3,554 strikeouts and used a pitching style where he doctored baseballs or made batters believe he was doctoring them. (laughs) Perry's 1974 autobiography was titled Me and the Spitter. Sounds like the spitter should be like, you know, so, like, you know, like Gaylord Perry, the spitter, they're cops. wrote in that uh, that when he started in 1962 he was the 11th man on 11 man pitching staff for the San Francisco Giants. He needed an edge and learned the spitball from teammate Bob Shaw. Perry said he first threw it in May 1964 against, of course, the Mets. Uh, pitched 10 innings without giving up a run and soon entered the Giants starting rotation. Although the Mets in 1964 he probably didn't really need the spitball against that team. I'm just saying. He also wrote in the book that he chewed slippery elm bark to build up his saliva and eventually stopped throwing the pitch in 1968 after MLB ruled pitchers could no longer touch their fingers to their mouths before touching the baseball. According to his book, he looked for other substances like petroleum jelly to doctor the baseball He used various motions and routines to touch different parts of his jersey and body to get hitters thinking he was applying a foreign substance. Perry was ejected from a game just once for doctoring a baseball when he was with Seattle in uh, 1982, in August 1982. In his final season with Kansas City, Perry and teammate Leon Roberts tried to hide George Brett's infamous pine tar bat in the clubhouse, but was stopped by a guard that... uh, that infamous clip of George Brett absolutely losing his mind. <laughs> Gaylord Perry tried to hide the bat. Uh, Perry was ejected for his role in that game, too. 
After his career, Perry founded the baseball program at Limestone College in Gaffney. Uh, Gaffney, I believe, South Carolina? North Carolina. Um, Was its coach for the first three years of that. I didn't, you know, like... Let's see, when did it... His final season... I think that was 83 when that uh, when the George Brett thing happened. So I don't really have much recollection of watching Gaylord Perry in a game. Uh, but YouTube is a wonderful thing. And I was able to find, of course, some video of Gaylord Perry. And holy cow, that dude would not have... <laughs> that dude would have been thrown out of a whole hell of a lot more games than just one in his career if he was, if he was doing that today. Oh man. You know you know those motions that a that a third base that a third base coach will make, you know, to the batter. You know, rub his finger across the chest, down his arm, you know, off the bill of the cat, all that stuff. Gaylord Perry was doing that on the mound. There is no way, no way he gets out of that alive. <laughs> At least in this day and era. In, in in this day and age, as far as pitchers go, no way. <laughs> but it was hilarious too. Uh, like like this video, this it was basically a supercut, um, just video of him just damn near doing a dance. It it looked it looked like Corey, like it, it looked like he was dancing almost. Like it had a rhythm. Um, there's no way he would <laughs> he would have been inducted into the Hall of Fame for being ejected out of every game in his major league career if it, if his career happened today. <laughs> anyway, Gaylord Perry dead today at the age of uh, 84. So uh, condolences to to his family. Let's wrap things up uh, with some uh, with some ways to make your wallet a little bit fatter. It was three and three heading into uh, heading into last night's games. Did okay. Two and one. Got two out of three. My week improved to uh, to five and four overall. Um. Obviously, completely wrong on my pick for Michigan State and the points against Notre Dame. I really didn't think that Michigan State was going to come out that flat. That was supposed to be a good game, but uh, you know, as you know, Notre Dame won seventy to fifty-two. Lakers straight up minus two twenty-five. My spite pick that cashed in. Lakers beat Portland last night, 128 to 109. LeBron had 31, AD had 27. Vengeance was mine after I took the Blazers straight up and lost on Tuesday night. You remember, Portland crapped the bed Tuesday night against the depleted Clippers team in the fourth quarter when they let Hurricane Norman Powell storm through and get 22 points in the fourth quarter alone. Never again betting Portland. Never, never again. 
Also bet the Rangers at Ottawa going under six and a half goals. Nailed that one too. Rangers beating Ottawa last night three to one. Ha! Two and two out of three. Ha! So I'm feeling good heading into tonight. So bets for tonight. Gonna start with Thursday night football game, which of course. Comes your way starting at 7.30 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I like Buffalo and New England to go over 43.5. Since playing the extreme weather game in Orchard Park last year, the Bills have totaled 910 yards of offense and 80 points against the Patriots in two meetings. Patriots defense has performed well overall this year, but it's gotten fat on several limited offenses while also giving up 30-plus points in three games. Bills' defense hasn't been as strong over the last month as it was earlier in the season. Also going to be missing Von Miller. He's on IR now. Bills put him on IR today. It's possible the Patriots' offense approaches the success that it had last week when it carved up the Vikings. Despite the relatively, like, 43.5 is the total? There's a pretty decent chance this game gets into the 50s. So I like Buffalo and New England to go over 43.5. Big college basketball game tonight on the men's side. Number seven, Creighton, is at number two, Texas. Texas, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Chris Beard, Lord, uh, former Iowa State standout, Tyrese Hunter to Austin after multiple Power 5 schools had pursued him last summer. The addition has changed the program. Again, Texas is number two in basketball. With Hunter on the floor, the undefeated Longhorns have, per, loops, per hooplens.com, made 67% of their shots inside the arc and held their opponents to just 60 points per 100 possessions. To give you some sort of uh, you know perspective on that, the Milwaukee Bucks of the NBA have the, have the NBA's best defense and give up 106 points per 100 possessions in a basketball game. However, Creighton's stacked with talent. Ryan Kalkbrenner at, 60, at 16 points per game one of the five Blue Jays averaging at least 12 per game. Top 20 nationally in turnover rate. Creighton can hang. Creighton and the six and a half. Pl- Creighton plus six and a half. I like that tonight. And then NHL, Edmonton at Minnesota. I like Minnesota straight up, minus 140 on the money, on the money line. Jack Campbell's over four goals against average would be a whole lot more troublesome for the Oilers if they didn't have such an effective offense. But I got a feeling Marc-Andre Fleury handles Edmonton pretty well tonight. Dating back to 2019, the Wild have won six straight against the Oilers. So that'll continue tonight. Bills and and New England over 43.5. Creighton and the points against Texas. Minnesota straight up against Edmonton. See you tomorrow.